Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, you're listening to Hawks Live. We're up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Show starts every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710. Paul Moyer is joining me along with Michael Bumpus. And tonight we're going to recap the win over Pittsburgh. Talk to rookie defensive end L.J. Collier. We'll talk to the professor, John Clayton, go inside the film room. And then Leno Hill is going to take on our own Taylor Jacobs and NBA 2K, I think, is what they're playing. But first, we want to get an opponent preview from NewOrleansSaints.com. John DeShazier. John, thanks for joining us. Well, I thank you guys for having me. I wish I would have been there in person. You guys are at a casino, so yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. But. Well, John, you'll probably save some money. Yeah, actually, we, we so. work for free <laughs> yeah. every Thursday That's night. Right. That's right. <laughs> hey, John, first, That's true. Uh, That's true. first question for you, and it's the question everybody here in, in Seattle is, is asking, you know, what are you hearing from Sean Payton this week as far as, you know, going forward, what are they going to do offensively without Drew Brees? How different is this offense going to look, if at all? Well, I mean, it's got to be different because we're talking about a, a Hall of Fame quarterback who's run this offense 2000 and, since 2006. Uh, until now, he's only missed three games as a Saint, and two of those were shit-out games because they clinched the number one seed. So, you know, obviously the offense has to be a bit different. Now, how much different, I don't know, because Eddie Bridgewater is a kid who, you know, he's got a stronger arm than Drew Brees at this point in Drew Brees' career. Drew Brees is 40. So, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who's got a stronger arm, and we know Taysom Hill is a better runner than both of them. But you have to adapt the offense uh, to the strength of both of them. But Sean Payton really, and, and the locker room, these guys found the confidence. Um, over, these, over the last three, four years, I'd say, they've really tried to build a, a roster and a system around Breeze to where he didn't have to be, you know, Captain Save a Saint every, every Sunday. You know, there were a lot of Sundays where he'd throw for 350, 400 yards, and the team couldn't win in a shootout. They tried to build a team that was stronger defensively uh, and more well-rounded offensively in terms of a running game that they could withstand, uh, you know, Drew Brees aging or a process like this where, you know, maybe he's got to miss a couple of games. So this will be uh, the really litmus test of that, whether or not this roster is, is built to withstand the absence of Drew Brees for several games. You know, John, because they probably are. You look at the Saints, they're probably the one team that can withstand – their number one quarterback going down. They didn't pay, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, seven, eight million, whatever. He's the highest paid backup quarterback in the league. Looks like Sean's play, posturing a little bit, like, oh, I may go with the two quarterback system. Um, but Teddy's getting all the snaps, isn't he? Well, it, it certainly would appear that way. And I should, you know, boast you via intercom back in New Orleans because, you know, people seem to not believe that Teddy Bridgewater is the number two quarterback for this team. Uh, you know, there's a reason they traded for him last year. There's a reason they pursued him in free agency and made him the highest paid backup uh, in the league. They believe in Teddy Bridgewater, and, and that's not a knock against Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill really is developing nicely as a quarterback, and the Saints might have the best quarterback room in the NFL when you're talking about the three of them. But Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that they like a lot, and I mean a whole lot. He's got a lot of skills. He's got a really lively arm, and now he has an opportunity uh, to work with the ones and have the offense really structured to his strength. Uh, he probably he might throw it down the field a little bit more than Drew Brees has uh, over the last couple of years because Teddy's got a nice arm. So 
you know, they might be able to open up the offense a little bit more from, from that standpoint. Now it all begins with protection, of course, but he's a guy who they went after him for a reason. They like Teddy Bridgewater a whole lot. John, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater being able to open up the playbook and throw the ball down the field. With Drew Brees going out, you would think that the run game will become more important. They rushed the ball 20 times last game. Do you think that Sean will be a little more creative in the run game, or is it just, hey, we're going to open it up and use this arm of this young QB we have here? Well, they'll run it, but, but here's, here's the thing with the Saints, and, and this has happened over the years. Sometimes the screen game or the swing pass has been like a substitute for the run game. So I wouldn't necessarily say a whole lot of run. You know, they might not run it 29, 30 times. They might only run it, run it 20 times, but the effectiveness last week or the ineffectiveness was they only got one pass to Kamara. Uh, I don't know if they got any passes until Latavius Murray, and the running backs have been very, very involved in the passing game with the Saints over the years. If Alvin Kamara has, you know, 20 touches, usually it's about 12, 13 runs and 7, 8 receptions. So those are the kinds of things that they like to do. Even if they can't run it effectively, those swing passes and those screen passes kind of double as a long handoff, and I don't think they necessarily care that much about the traditional running game as long as they're so maintaining possession and convert those third downs and keeping the ball in their hands and running some clock and moving the ball down the field. So they might not pound it on you, you know, up the middle you know, 25, 30 times, but as long as they can get the proper amount of touches to those running backs, I think it doubles as the same thing in this offense. We're talking to J- John DeShazier from NewOrleansSaints.com. And, John, i got to imagine with the NFC Championship game, uh, the running into the kicker in week one, and then a TD taken away from Cameron Jordan. They rolled it. It was a forward pass on the field. I imagine uh, Saints fans are a little bit raw about the guys in the striped shirts these days. Well, I mean, after a while, you start wondering what, what next is going to happen, whether it's going to be locusts or frogs or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of wonder what apocalypse. next yeah. uh, what worse can happen. So. Yeah, yeah, Saints fans do not like NFL officials right now. But, you know, the thing, the, the good thing about the team is the theme has been, you know, okay, it's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, yeah, they, they worked hard to get that officiating change uh, with the offensive and defensive pass interferences. But for the most part, the team and the players have pretty much kind of bit their tongue on it and said, okay, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you can you can wallow in it or you can try to use it as motivation, but you don't need to bring it up every day in order to use it for motivation. But fans, look, man, fans are ticked. And I, I can't say how fans feel now because, you know, you, you probably beat me out with invite me on again, but they're really, really ticked off about it. Uh, Sean Payton, you know, he likes the innovative guy. I mean, great offense. And they decide to stay on the West Coast after the Ram game and, and play the Seahawks. What, have they done that before? And, and what's his thoughts on that? Because what's interesting is it's not like it's a short flight from L.A. up here. I mean, that's a two-and-a-half, three-hour flight in itself. I, I get the time zone. But, one, has he done it before? And, and what's his reasoning for it? Well, I think it's more of a rest and recovery and, you know, just stay out here and stay acclimated to the time zone. I mean, going back home and coming back would have been, all, you know, essentially two days of travel and, you know, you can't get a whole lot of preparation done during those days. Uh, but I don't know that the team has done it before, but I don't know that they've had back-to-back road games on the West Coast before. I think the closest approximation to this is probably a couple of years ago when they played at Carolina and then had to play the, the, the London game against Miami. 
and we were on the road for, I guess, a pretty close amount of time. But, you know, that's the difference, going all the way to London as opposed to staying in the States. But I think from a standpoint of rest and recovery, just wanted to kind of keep it that way. You know, go ahead and get here and get the preparation begun. Uh, they decided to do it before the season. So, you know, it wasn't something that was last second. They knew exactly how they wanted to do it. And really, it's to the benefit of the players. I think you know, they just wanted to take whatever elements of stress and add whatever re- elements of rest they could to the player schedule. The Saints had the 29th best pass defense in 2018. We know the Hawks' offense is predicated on running the ball, but over the past couple of weeks, they've shown they can throw the ball. Is this a concern for the Saints? Are they are they aware that? Uh, I'm sure they're aware, but is it a, is it a big concern that the Hawks may come out and throw this thing across the field? Yeah, they know all about Russell Wilson, <laughs> a, dude who, a dude who's completing about 80 percent of his passes. Uh, they know all about him, and the Saints haven't played well in the secondary so far. Uh, they've been really good at rushing the pass. They've got nine sacks, but they hadn't done the job in, on the back end. Um, you know, they've had a lot of third and favorable uh, conditions that they have not converted. Uh, there was a third and 16 converted against them last Sunday against the Rams, and those are the areas that they want to clean up the most. I mean, you know, you get to the third and eighth and the third and seventh and the third and nine, that's when, as a defense, You've got to get off the field. You've got to have better coverage than, than the Saints have had. And so it's obviously going to be a concern. Uh, again, they've been getting to the quarterback. They've been applying pressure, but they had not been doing it on the back end. And they've got guys who are capable of doing it on the back end. They just had not gotten it done. So they're going to have to get in cohesion with that front seven. Those guys are applying the pressure. They're going to have to be a little bit stickier. And especially when you're playing against a team like Seattle when you're talking about Russell Wilson because you're talking about a guy who can extend play. Um, and I mean, extend them for a long period of time. So now you've got to be cognizant of how long you've got to stay with a receiver and how long you've got to cover him. And you can't reach and grab him and those kinds of things. So those are things really that they've had to work on this week because they know that Russell Wilson can extend plays. He's been doing it since he got into the NFL and not only extend plays, he'll tuck it and run it. And so he's a danger in both areas. And, you know, he's, he's really got to be dealt with. I don't know, you know, how much rush discipline that the Saints are going to have, but they know that they need to have it because you got to keep that guy in the pocket as much as you possibly can. Well, John, we really appreciate the visit and uh, enjoy your time up here in the Northwest. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. All right, there he goes, John DeShazier from NewOrleansSaints.com. Coming up next, we're going to recap the Seahawks' impressive win on the road in Pittsburgh. The first Seahawks win there since 1999. That's next. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Hawks Live. Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, it's Hawks Live at the Snoqualmie Casino. We're here every Thursday night at 7 o'clock during the football season right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus. Guys, that was an impressive win. I don't care if you have Ben Roethlisberger or not. And same thing, I don't care if we have Drew Brees or not. Uh, That was an impressive road win. What was your biggest takeaway from that game, The, the, the part what allowed them to get that victory? I wrote a few things on that, Dave. I'll start from the top. One is, if you don't think Russell Wilson's one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL, 
go watch that game. Yeah. That game was so impressive. And, and, and there was a couple reasons why it was so impressive. One is it, he's a guy who likes to extend and make big plays. Right. To throw the quick passes over and over, it's never been his forte. Man, he did it the whole game, well, particularly after the four series in the second quarter. They went to quick game. The way he read the blitz, and there were three guys. They came after him with corner. There were five, six guys coming corner, at him. Corner, safety, Almost every man, time. linebacker, yeah. He stood there, saw it, made the throw, got out of the way, and made perfect throws. He made those small windows that you, you can't throw behind the receiver. You can't lead them. Yeah. you got to put it right there. I don't know if it was his best game because I'm hesitant. There, there's been more big plays that he's had, explosive plays before. But I've never seen him take a game and command it the way he's done. did that one, spread it across the field. Go and look at his scattergram of where he yeah. threw the football and go look at the first game of the season. First game of the season, everything was to his left. This game, it was across the board. He was between the hash marks a bunch. That's not something he's done a lot before either because, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world. I think it was the best game he's ever played, throwing the football. Statistically, it absolutely was. And as a matter of fact, I looked up, it was a career high for him, 83% completion percentage. That's pretty good. So we've got some uh, nerd stats going here. And one of the other things is, you know, it's, it's... Sometimes when you're 17 for 20, 17, you know, 18 for 22, that's one thing. When you're 29 for 35, so I, I, we we had we enlisted somebody from Twitter to look this up. 83% or better completion percentage and 35 or more attempts. It's only been done 18 times wow. in NFL history. If you add another couple of uh, parameters, one is three touchdowns or more, zero interceptions. That's been done eight times in NFL history. And the guys who have done it, Drew Brees twice, Tom Brady twice, Peyton Manning, uh, Rich Gannon. So, I mean, that was, I think, definitely his best game. But he just he's always in that ilk of those guys. When you look at stats, and I don't see Aaron Rodgers in there. I don't see Matthew Stafford. I don't see Matt Ryan in there. Yeah. And yet, you and, know, and he did it from the, the pocket. He did it from the pocket. Yeah. He did it with the, the, the kind of passes that people say, he can't do that. He has to extend everything. Well, he didn't extend. I mean, I think he only extended one play when I went back and looked. One play. Yeah. You know, everything else was, it was timing. He was reading the blitzes. They, they came with a corner blitz one time. They got the sack. They did it a second time. DK, that, that, this first time, DK, I don't think, he kept running his route. He was supposed to actually hitch up. Second time he hitches up, he's a guy that's going to make people miss. And that was the other thing. For the first time, I go, he's given uh, the ball or pass, however you want to say it, to the receivers and running backs so that they can do yards after catch. And that was probably the most yards after catch I can remember in a game for for Russell Wilson. My my main takeaway from this game, obviously I'm going to touch on the receivers, is that Tyler Lockett can handle a load. You know, there's 12 targets, 10 receptions. And what people don't really think about is, when you run certain plays, in your mind, you, you're calculating the probability of me getting this play. Am I running this route to get somebody open, or am I going to get this play? There were a bunch of plays that were called where Tyler Lockett was the option, and he was the guy. And for a receiver to run 
play after play, knowing that they're going to depend on you. They're going to come to you in third and short. They're going to come to you in third and long, and you have to make this play. It wears on you. It wears on the weak. It stresses them out. And what I saw Tyler Lockett, he was ready to go. He was okay taking the speed out. He was okay going across the middle and getting down. He had 10 receptions for 79 yards, and they were tough yards. You know, typically we see Tyler Lockett with four receptions. He had for 10 receptions? Eight, yeah, for wow. 87 yards down the field, big play-action plays. These were number one type plays. Like, hey, short, third and short, we need you now. Make a play. And Tyler's show, no matter how tall you are, how fast mm-hmm. you are, you know, if you're efficient and you have a good relationship with your quarterback, man, you can get it done. So I'm excited to see where Tyler Lockett has come. We, we know that he's a big play guy. But can he get the tough yards? Just like you talk about running backs, getting the tough three yards, getting the tough four yards. Ten for 79 are tough receiver yards, and that just showed to me that Tyler Lockett can handle the number one spot. Well, and there could it could have been 11 catches for him because on the third and three yeah. that he threw to D.K. Metcalf, uh, Tyler was open, easy first down for Russell. I mean, they've connected on that pass probably thousands of times in practice and game situation. But what about the, the trust to throw a go route to your rookie receiver? D.K. Metcalf has been... You know, I was going to say, I haven't seen a rookie like this in a long time. Well, actually, Will Disley last year. I mean, he, he 105 yards in his yeah. first first game and two touchdowns before he got hurt you know, in game four. But uh, D.K. Metcalf has impressed me so much. That first catch of the game, it was a back shoulder that was a little underthrown, came back and got Great that. Hands. Just the way he carries himself. I don't know if you saw some of the blocking. How about the time he gets the, the catch and stiff arms a guy, knocks him down, and he got up off the field slowly. So it just uh, he he's a really he's one of the best rookies I've seen in a long time. Well, and even his touchdown pass, you know, he bobbled it, but he had you know the presence to to lock it in and like it was no big deal. Offense gets some credit there. The, the other part to me, Dave, and, and why they won is. I thought the way we tackled was phenomenal. Yes. And, and, and from our corners, it was, they were tight on covers. The windows were small. You're, you're going to give up completions. The NFL's too good today. But when they made the catch, it was down. There was no yards after catch. And those are the little things. And I just, you know, this team right now is, you know, Bump, you kind of threw it out there. You know, Tyler Locke is doing the little things. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf, he's got a skill set that they're, they're focusing on. I just feel like everybody's coming together and said, this is what I do well. We're such a team. I'm just going to do my role. And if I do my role, we're, we're 2-0. And, and I don't even think we've – we've actually played well, and we probably could have blown both teams out if we made all the little plays and everything went our way. And our best football is ahead of us, and you know, hopefully it starts this week again with New Orleans. You mentioned the tackling. K.J. Wright, I think, quietly has had maybe the best start in these two games, just so solid. And they were trying to throw those little five-yard outs, and <laughs> K.J. was about eight yards away from one of them and took two strides and took the guy down. You yeah. saw on the, the replay the one where he's holding the guy's hand, basically. I've never seen yeah. a tackle like that, Dave. <laughs> I'm not either. It was like a handshake almost. We thought it, we thought it was a face mask. Yeah. And then that we saw the replay. I go, the guy put his hand out to stiff arm him. He grabbed his fingers, kind of like pulled them back, yeah. and never let go. He tackled the guy with <laughs> his hand. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And then Michael Kendricks too. I mean, just his explosion coming up, making tackles on on those plays. Um, I thought also D line what they're getting from Brandon Jackson yeah. and and Quentin Jefferson. I mean, Quentin has two sacks. And they made those guys captains. They're both from Pittsburgh. 
And so that was really cool. Oh, too. that is cool. Yeah. So, but see, you know, it's good to hang out with the color analyst on the radio. <laughs> we get to learn little things. Yeah, I was there, man. I actually saw it That's happen. A, you know what? I've never been in that stadium. It's one that I really I had neither. Go to. Yeah, it was really cool, and got a chance to catch up with Keith Butler, our old teammate. Yeah, he still he's, says he's taking a little heat. Dead gum, this and dead gum that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was very cool. The other thing is uh, on the team plane when they win on the way back. The vets get to sit up in first class, and the rookies all sit in the back. And nice. you guys remember this, man. There's nothing like a road win. When you have a road win, and then you're around your buddies, you could hear all the young guys in the back singing and playing <laughs> some game, screaming and yelling. It was awesome. You know who I heard complain the whole time, which does not surprise me? A middle linebacker. This guy's name was Ken Norton Jr. Oh, I heard about that. I heard that. he complained the whole time. So, you know what, last Complain about what? Too much fun going on? No, no he, he didn't he, like giving he up his first class He didn't want to give up his first oh, class He goes, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Uh, I'm old. I played. I yeah, go, I we like, talked about divas last week. <laughs> I just realized middle linebackers are hey, divas, too. A guy like Ken Norton shouldn't have to give up a seat to anybody. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> See, that's fair. Thank you. Don't but try I, to say that linebackers are divas. Uh, clearly he did. But if Pete Carroll's willing to give up his seat, I think Ken can give it up, too. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're going to chat with one of the Seahawk rookies from this year. First-round draft choice guy. We played 16 snaps in the game. Um, not recording stats right now, but you know, it takes a while for rookies. That's LJ Collier. We'll talk to him next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's Hawks Live, Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, and Michael Bumpus. And right now, we have on the phone, rookie from TCU, first-round draft choice, LJ Collier. LJ, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad yeah, to be on. Hey, yeah, great. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, what would you think of your first game? You got about 16, 15, 16 snaps. Uh, what was it like for you? I mean, you're a... It's a childhood dream for most guys, right? And you go, "Wow, this is this is my first game." Tell us about what that was like. I mean, it was a dream come true. You know, it was everything I thought it was going to be, and uh, it was a day I never forget. You know, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun, man. You know, it was good to be out there, and we got a win, so that's even better. Yeah, is it? Are you still kind of in the? I know my rookie year. I don't know about you, you guys here, but. I was lost, you know, because there's so many things to to think about and everything. At some point, you just got to kind of turn your brain off and just go out and play, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I try to do that. At this point, you know, I'm already comfortable. I try to just, you know, get in that football mode and just, you know, get in the routine of things. And that's kind of helped me get into the swing, you know, just getting a routine and keeping up a routine and getting used to things. Hey, LJ, I was a undrafted free agent, so I didn't have as much money in the bank. And <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the vets didn't haze me as much or make me pay for anything. Being a, a first-round pick, have they made you do or pay for anything yet uh, early in your career? Uh, you know, the vets haven't really, you know, I've heard guys have gotten it worse than me. And, you know, it's a part of being a rookie. You know, the guys weren't that bad. So, yeah, I usually get the the food for the trip and you know i've had to stock the room with snacks and stuff like that it's not it's not been anything too crazy though <laughs> lj you, you you get nicked up in, in preseason and or training camp and you were having a good camp and now you come back you know first of all what do they well, you got ziggy now you got clowny where are they focusing you on are you left side right side and or does it matter to you 
uh, it doesn't really matter to me because, you know, we don't really have – I mean, I play in, then I play three and some packages, so <clears throat> I pretty much just go all around. I make sure I can play both sides, so I'm ready for wherever they need me. Hey, LJ, the thing that stood out to me uh, was that it's pretty awesome that not only are you getting paid to play football, but you don't have any homework anymore. <laughs> I mean, you got lots of time. It's just all football. And uh, how are you uh, transitioning into life off the field? Life off the field, you know, I'm trying to just keep myself busy, you know, with studying plays and, you know, just hanging out. I talk to my girlfriend, you know. I really just try to get used to it, you know. I'm, I'm definitely glad I don't have school anymore, that's for sure. I'm enjoying it, man. <laughs> definitely, I'm doing what I love, so, you know, you don't hate it. So I enjoy it a lot, man. I'm in a great place. I try to enjoy it. I make the most of it, you know. I'm blessed to be here, so that's why I think of it. You know, I try to take one day at a time. But, you know, I'm getting used to still getting used to the, you know, Seattle and uh, really just, you know, the pro, the pro, the NFL life. Speaking of Seattle, it's the rainy city. Clouds are about to come in here pretty soon. Um, are you prepared for that? And, and what have you heard about the Northwest? And have you played in rain before? Is that something you're accustomed to? I played in rain, you know, growing up. You know, we had a rainy game against Baylor one year at TCU, you know, in high school. So I just thought rainy games were fun. So, you know, it's nothing bad, you know, especially when you're in the zone, you're locked in. You don't even feel it. So, and I get used to it. It's a part of it. You know, I don't mind it at all. You get used to those things. It's different, rainy definitely. Games you know, come from Texas where it's, you know, it's hot. <laughs> one more time? Yeah, I'd say you're, you're about to find out what rain's all about because, uh, I'm looking at the weather report. Actually, Sunday looks pretty pretty good. Hey, take us inside the D line room. I, you, there's some new guys here. You got Ziggy. You know, you got Clowney. What, what's it like there? Are, are, do they? Are, I mean, are they helpful to you? Are they? Is it a fun? Just give us a little feel for what that D line room's like. I mean, yeah, every guy in the D line room is helpful. Down to Q, you know, Quentin Jefferson uh, and Brandon Jackson. All those guys are very helpful. You know, we all help each other in the room and stuff like that. And, yeah, uh, Ziggy and Jadavion have helped me with uh, things and drills, individual and things like that. Just any way they can help me, you know, hand placement, anything like that. Those guys have been helpful any way they can. Yeah, you know, it's. I wonder if – did you expect that, LJ? Because, you know, I, this is one of those places where you talk to the younger players and, you know, they talk about guys like Bobby Wagner and, you know, K.J. Wright, and those guys really wanting to – help young players and uh you know maybe share with us uh you know an instance or two when you know somebody uh one of the vets has uh, has helped you out yeah bobby that's a perfect example I mean, he's always on me about you know doing things right you know it's the little things that matter you know being on time being early to things you know you know standing out and you know bobby's a great leader man he, he makes sure to you know ask me how things are going you know on my p's and q's about things and he's a great leader man i respect him a lot he's in the position he's in for a reason Oh, yeah, KJ, too, all those guys, you know, it's, you know, everybody up there. That's why, you know, I can see why the organization is successful. You know, everybody's held to a certain standard. You know, that's why I like it. It's competitive. You know, everybody's about their business here, and I like that. You know, and it's also a family. Uh, LJ, you're a small-town guy, right? And uh, Yeah. Yeah, so have you had any of your uh, your family come up and watch you play yet? Uh, you know, with me being hurt and stuff like that, you know, I'm just not coming back, so. I'm actually going to have my dad and sisters up for a game here so, so that I can get everything planned out and stuff like that. So we're gonna, that's going to be pretty soon. Well, LJ, you, uh, preseason's one thing, but home games playing there live at CenturyLink's quite 
quite different. Uh, you, you excited about that? And you know, I'm, you know, you, TCU, you have Dallas, Fort Worth. You know, just you know, maybe even the difference between the the home crowd there versus what you're about to experience here at CenturyLink. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a different feeling, man. I already know. I, I just can't wait. Just standing on the sideline and being out there, you know, it's, it's, it's loud. You know, training. You know, it's just a perfect feeling. You know, it was crazy. I can't wait to play in it. Hey, LJ, when I was in college, I felt like I was good at everything. There's nothing I couldn't do. Then I got to the league, and I realized maybe I should sharpen up on a couple <laughs> things. Is there What are you good at, and, and what is something that you think you need to work on? Uh, you know, you know, in college, I thought about it towards the end of it. I thought I had it all figured out. And, you know, I've come to realize, you know, there's some things i got to work on, you know. And, you know, just like hand placement, you know, my technique and my passwords could always be a little better, so... Well, LJ, you know what? Yeah. You're not alone there, and I, all three of us here played. You know, in college, you just go play, right? Yeah. You know, and now all of a sudden you get that's in the right. NFL, and they're like, no, that's not a 12-inch step. That's a 6-inch step, and your hands need to be here. And so, you know, that that's something that, uh, you know, for, for receivers especially, Michael, you know, that's – and yeah, I would say D-line too. I mean, that's that's the one where oh, yeah, you, you have to be the most technical, it seems like. No oh, yeah, D-line, you got to have good hand placement, you know, strike and have a good steps because, you know, it matters. A lot of it does. Okay, LJ, real quick. My, my kids are moving to Dallas in the Fort Worth area. I need two unbelievable places to go eat when we're down there. What are your two favorite places? Where, where, where am I going? Uh, I like to go to Chewy's. It's a Mexican restaurant. All right. There's Blue one. Sushi in Fort Worth. It's a great place to eat. Which What is that one? Chewy's and Blue Sushi. If there you like we go. Sushi. All right. See, you know what? If if I got anything from tonight, that was important right there. You know, LJ, you don't need to turn LJ into your personal concierge. It's for okay? my kids. You figure it out my yourself, kids. pal. I want to be like I know something right. when I get down there when they move. Okay. Hey, LJ. Always we really going to help. <laughs> yeah, all right. We really appreciate that, man, and uh, look forward to seeing you play this Sunday. And uh, really awesome of you to take time out to join us. Thanks a lot, man. Oh yeah, anytime. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, all right. there you. he goes. First round draft choice, L.J. Collier. And uh, coming up next, we'll talk to John Clayton. Of course, we'll talk to him about this Jaguar uh, Titan game that's going on tonight. Gardner Minshew having a good night. We'll take you on a trip around the NFL with the professor John Clayton. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Hawks Live. We'll be here at 7 o'clock every Thursday night, right here on 710. ESPN Seattle during the football season and to get us caught up around the league and the game that's going on right now Titans Jaguars the professor John Clayton John thanks for joining us how about Gardner Minshew I mean this is just amazing it is and you know we talked a lot about it and you know Jessamine McIntyre the sideline reporter and our producer is talking about what a what a good guy he is and he's just a he's a very unique individual John Mm -hmm. but look all that stuff's great but if Unless if you can't perform, 
then, you know, forget it. Who cares about your personality? But right now I'm seeing 16 for 23, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. How about the fact that he's going against a former high pick in the round, first round, as, as far as, you know, going against Marcus Mariota, and he is clearly, without question, outperforming him. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, here he is, his first start and all this. He's going to get his first win. I mean, I, I just think this is an amazing story. And now Sunday we'll see how Luke Falk can do. Yeah, what's most amazing is he's outrushed Marcus on this. I mean, that is crazy to me. He's got 18 yep. yards compared to Mariota. With only seven. And he's not considered to be a running quarterback. No, but he, he, he here's what was funny on this one play. A guy dove, and <laughs> it, it was like a, a reflex, and then he jumped. Mm-hmm. It, instead of jumping as the guy was diving for his knees, the guy dove and missed him, uh-huh. and then he jumped. <laughs> it, it was like, nah. Well, he is a rookie. Oops. He is Oops. a rookie. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I don't know. It was. It was more. It was funnier when I watched it than it, I just said it on. And, and that's the thing. There's more appreciation in this town and this state than any other people for uh, you know watching what Mariota is doing because I mean this is just remarkable. Hey, John. Let's talk about the situation with the Saints. Drew Brees is gonna be out. What's the confidence level um, with Teddy Bridgewater? Do they feel that he can get it done? Uh, not like him. I mean, there's no way you're going to equal a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, and you know you're going to have to make adjustments. But this is similar to what uh, Philadelphia did when they brought Nick Foles back to be the backup quarterback, thinking, okay, let's get the backup. And understand that, uh, you know, Sean Payton went to a couple uh, charity events with Doug Peterson. I'm sure they talked about it. And you know that there was always the, the like that they had with Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy's good. And it's like, don't sleep on the Saints in this game. But you would have to anticipate there's going to be a five- or six-point drop-off in the production just because, you know, here's Bridgewater. He does tend to hold on to the ball too long. He is good. He's smart. Remember, he's been to the playoffs. I mean, remember, he got to the playoff game against Seattle in Minnesota and uh, went to the Pro Bowl his first year. So there's talent there. It's not as good as Drew Brees. But, I mean, you, you look at it and you say, okay, Breeze is going to miss six games. I mean, Bridgewater is good enough to win three of those six. You know, Teddy Bridgewater in 2015, I think it was, Seahawks went in and really took it to mm-hmm. Minnesota. It was like 37 to 6 or something like that. But I remember looking at Teddy Bridgewater going, this guy's on his way to being a good NFL quarterback. And then, John, remind me, on the injury was so weird. It Horrendous. was like a practice. Yeah, and he had like a dislocated knee, and it was like compound. Where the yeah, it was almost one of those things where he's going to have to almost, he came close to an amputation. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, it's, it's an awesome story for him fighting his way back. But, you know, it's Sean Payton's offense, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm sure he's, he's going to run it. I'm sure we'll see a lot of this Taysom Hill. That kid's interesting to me. You, you look at his stats. He's got tackles. Um, somebody was telling me they saw him on the front line of the uh, – that was Trey Flowers – that guy was on the front line of the kickoff return team. Yeah. I mean, and then he'll take snaps at quarterback. He's a running back. He's a receiver. I mean, he is a very interesting player. Well, the, John, in- the oh, interesting thing is they're going to probably try to do the best they can to run the football, to make it easier for him, for Bridgewater to be able to play. And that's been the strength right now of the Seahawks in the first two games, how they focused and even overemphasized stopping the run. And if they can stop the run, it's going to make it much more difficult for Bridgewater. John, a weird year. You, you've got Antonio Brown force, you know, basically out of Oakland. You got Clowney, you know, basically forced to, to a trade out of Houston. 
And and now you all of a sudden out of nowhere you got this Jalen Ramsey thing. What what are you hearing on the Ramsey story? The story is that uh, most likely, if uh, at least Jacksonville is agreeable, taking a little bit less than two first round picks, he'll end up going to Kansas City or Philadelphia. And uh, the anticipation is going to happen this weekend, if maybe as early as Friday, uh, and that uh, that hurts them because again, you know, you're talking about a great cornerback. I mean, he is so talented, and so uh, this is going to be a huge move for whoever gets him, and it's going to be a huge move for whatever they get in return, but it sounds like it's going to happen tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it's going to take for Jacksonville to be satisfied. Hey, John, uh, Ben went down last week against the Seahawks, and Rudolph comes in, I believe he's 12 for 19. Do you think this is the end of Ben Roethlisberger, and do you, if so, do you think Rudolph is ready and capable to carry this team on? I don't think it's the end of Ben, but it could be because you're talking about a 37-year-old quarterback that's having elbow surgery, and that's not real positive. Uh, you can see that Rudolph has something there. I mean, you know, in some ways, I mean, he played better than Ben Roethlisberger. You can see Ben was affected by that elbow. It hurt him. I mean, he didn't do as well. What did he have, 75 yards in the first half and just was not accurate? It was a little bit over 50%. He, ben wasn't Ben. Rudolph, and you can see the, the Steelers have confidence, you know, in a sense that you know they think with getting the Minka uh, Fitzgerald trade that they can still hang in there with nine first-round picks, get better on defense, and maybe salvage some kind of a wild-card spot uh, with nine, ten wins. I don't know if they can do that, but uh, no, this this could be something you have to worry about because you know Ben did sign a two-year, uh, sixty-four, sixty-eight million dollar extension, so he wants to continue to play. The money's there to be able to play. They think he's going to be able to play, but nobody knows for sure yeah Fitzpatrick that makes it nine first rounders on their defense I mean that's a lot they now. have invested in defense definitely John that was uh I'm just gonna say it that was Russell Wilson's best performance yeah has to be right has to be on the road oh you know and I gave all those parameters of 35 attempts or more uh 83 percent or more three touchdowns or more and zero interceptions and, John, that's been done eight times in NFL history. Mm-hmm. And uh, all but two were at home. Uh, the other one was Rich Gannon in Denver. He had a, that kind of a performance. And then Russell Wilson on the road at Pittsburgh. I don't care what you say. That was, uh, And also, he got sacked four times in the first half. First I mean, half, yeah. You just can't say first, enough about three Russell Three in the first, what, two but series? But we have all, of, all three of us, four of us, watched this all through OTAs, minicamp, and uh, training camp. I've never seen him play this well. And again, not surprising. I mean, you can see that he's worked on different things as far as throwing. And, you know, his long passes, his short passes. I mean, the thing that even amazes me, because, I mean, it's like you can look at the accuracy of the play-action passes. But even the short passes, you know, those 8- to 10-yard passes in the middle of the field, there's so much more velocity on the football, but not velocity that you're going to see the receiver not catch the ball. And so, I mean, you know, this, this is – he has done – whatever he's done in the offseason with his training, his core training on throwing has been phenomenal, and you're seeing the results of it. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's his best game. We, we talked about this earlier, Dave and, and Michael, because he's improvised before. I've seen him, you know, rush for 100, what, throw for 300. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's out of the pocket, and it's just Russell being Russell. This one was a game plan. This one was in the pocket. This was him being a complete quarterback. So I'm going to throw this at you, John, nationally. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, 
is he considered a top three quarterback with the potential to win MVP? Well, top three, no. Probably Why? top five, Why? top who, six. Who, give me the top three because this drives me nuts. Well, I mean, who? top three. I mean, Tom Brady's number one. Aaron Rodgers, number two. You can argue, probably not now, that Ben Roethlisberger's number three. And, uh, you know, whoever's going to be Drew the MVP Brees. is going to be number four. And he's always going between Drew Brees and himself as number five. But, you know, with Brees missing six games, Roethlisberger out for the season, now... Uh, you know, again, he's he's sitting three uh, three or four because yeah, it, you I, know, not his numbers say uh, he's behind Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. I think it's Mahomes. Mahomes. Russell, I see. I have Russell. Mahomes number four because what I do is that you know I'll, I'll always have you know who had the better year, Breeze or Wilson, and that's number five. Okay, and so then number four is always going to be the quarterback who wins the MVP, and so that's who I put in there. That's why I have Mahomes number four. But uh, you know now you start to rise because there's no Roethlisberger. You only have ten of sixteen games for Breeze, and so you know I guess he, he's sitting four with a chance to go to three. All right, Professor, okay. we appreciate you joining us. Hey, well, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for John. taking us on a little trip around the NFL. We're going to do our own little segment here, trip around the NFL, trip Paul. We got backup quarterbacks all over the league. Got players demanding trades, and the Seahawks are two and zero. We'll dive into that next on Hawks Live.